0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: And it came to pass at that time that Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim. He could not see. There the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, but the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. He ran unto Eli and said to here am I, for thou callest to me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. The Lord called yet again, Samuel. Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me, and he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me, and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. And therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, it shall be that If he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I, began, when I began, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I swore unto the house... Uh, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifices nor offerings forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I, And he said, What is the thing that the Lord had said unto thee? I pray thee hide it not from me, God do so to thee, and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord let him do what seemeth him good. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. All Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let us unite for just a moment in prayer. Our Father, as we look into this particular passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, may our hearts be opened As we see how you dealt with the life of Samuel, may we perceive that you will likewise deal with us and call us to our responsibility in your kingdom's work. This we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. This time of the year, Is the time that we'll see graduations, and several people have already graduated, particularly from college, and our high school graduations be coming up? We don't have anybody, I guess, in our congregation tonight that falls into that category. Anybody graduating from anything? Okay. We've either done it or not going to do it, one of the two. times that I have spoken at commencement exercises and I've heard others do the same there's all we always get around to the question what are you going to do with your life as if this is a question that only need to be asked to young people it's a good question to ask those who are graduating and we get all kinds of answers about going on to further schooling to college or to graduate school, or some say they're going to get a job. But something is going to happen. And I think it's important that we recognize that God has a place in the lives of young people, and we ought to be steering them toward making The right kind of decisions about what they're going to do with their life, not only what are they going to do with their life as far as making a living is concerned, but what are they going to do with their life as far as serving God is concerned is a more important question. But it's not only to be asked of young people graduating from school, it's to be asked of us who are not even thinking about such things. What is our life supposed to be in relationship to God? What are your plans as far as God is concerned? Another point in time when it becomes crucial is at that point of retirement. And a few people are about ready to retire and some have recently retired and it will be coming along and I've even begun to think about it. I even sent an inquiry in the other day to find out just what all that might mean to me. We'll retire from our secular jobs. But I would suggest to you that when it comes to serving God there is no point of retirement. But there is no retirement plan in God's kingdom. We're to serve Him Whatever we are doing, whatever age we are, without thoughts of letting somebody else take over and do it. I think many years of good service have been wasted because some people have thought that there comes a time when it must all be turned over to somebody younger than I, and so we want to step aside and let younger ones take over. I don't buy that. Because in the lives of the elders of our congregations are the years of experience in serving the Lord that we need to have that expertise. It's important for us to to keep people in the harness when it comes to serving God. It may change. The the job relationships may change. But... uh, Not serving the Lord at all. We have the story here of an old man and a young man. A man who was so old that he's beginning to turn blind. Named Eli, who was the prophet. Serving in the temple and did so for many, many years. And a young fella whose mother prayed for him to have him. She did not have any children. And back in the first chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll find Hannah prayed so earnestly for God that she pleaded with him to give her a child, and she said if you'll give him to me, I'll give him back to you. And when that time came that she had him, and and at the time of weaning, uh, when he was a very young child, she took him down to the temple and gave him to Eli. And it became the responsibility of the old prophet to bring up this young fellow in the sight of the Lord so that the Lord could use him. I want you to look at that first verse a moment. It says something in there that's very important. That the child ministered unto the Lord before Eli. In other words, he served Eli. Eli. But the last phrase of the first verse says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. The word precious here means rare. It wasn't found very often. And then he says, and there was no open vision. In other words, people did not have visions sent to them from God very frequently. Very infrequently did anybody hear directly from God. God didn't call out anybody's name. There was a span of time when the service of God had been reduced to nothing more than routine. As if God did not exist. It was very rare that anybody ever talked about spiritual things that anybody ever stood up in the service and gave a testimony that the Lord had done thus and so. And we go through those spells of uh, nothing seemingly happening as far as our relationship to God is concerned. Dry spells. They happen... To us as individuals and to us as a church and to us as a nation when God seemingly just isn't around anymore. It's very rare that we we have good revivals. It's very rare that great numbers of people come to the Lord. It's very rare that a church is on fire and really doing something. And this was the condition in which Samuel began his ministry as a young man. But as he, in this time of lack of communication with God, and he never had one, God had never called out to Samuel before and called him by name. Samuel never had a vision. He was the ordinary humdrum individual serving the prophet in the church and doing the routine things that that he was expected to do, and it was just simply a job, and he went on about it. So we come to church and so we have a service and so we go home and oh boy wasn't it great today. That type of thing. This was the way Samuel was. Then in the middle of a night, Samuel was asleep. Eli had gone to bed. The lights weren't even out in the temple yet. That mean the the lamps that they use with the oil in them hadn't really burned out. It was still burning a little bit, and, and Samuel was, was asleep, and he heard somebody call his name, and assuming that it was Eli, he got up and went to Eli and said, what do you want? And Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Go on back and lay down. It happened again and again, and Eli began to realize that God was talking to this young man. We're talking about God's call. I want to say three things. I want to say God speaks. God calls our name on many, many occasions. Secondly, I want to say that we need to understand what God's saying. And thirdly, we need to obey what he says. Those are the three points I want to make. They say a good speaker tells you what he's going to say, he tells you, and then he tells you what he said. I'm going to try to follow that tonight. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I want to say to you that God does call, and we need to hear his call. We need to understand his call, and we need to obey his call. Now, we may be as individuals in a dry spell, and maybe we've never heard God speak to us directly. And it may be a tremendous shock if in the middle of the night we are awakened and we know that something is going on and we try to figure out what it is and it may take a wise old Eli to be able to explain to us, listen, God's trying to get through to you. Tune your ears in and listen to him. I don't know if the word was audible, I think it was in this particular case, but whether it was audible or whether it was silent, there is no doubt to this boy Samuel that God had spoken. It was real. There's the joke about the preacher who was called to preach, he thought. And you know, when preachers are called to preach, there is an examination council that gathers and really puts it to him. They fire questions at him to find out if he's listening to God or he's listening to somebody else. And one of the things they always ask a preacher, and I was asked this, and I was on the uh, firing plan for two hours when they questioned me. A whole bunch of preachers and deacons sat there and fired questions at me, and one of the questions was, how do you know you've been called to preach? That's always asked. So this guy was being grilled and they said, how do you know you've been called to preach? And he said, well, I'll tell you, I was out plowing corn one day and uh, I was going down the road with the horse and guiding the plow and it was hot and I stopped and I uh, the horse and I was leaning against the uh, the plow and I was wiping the sweat off my face and I was looking up in the sky and I saw a great big PC up there. He said, I knew God was telling me preach Christ. And there was a wise old deacon, old Eli, you see, sitting in the congregation uh, doing some of this inquisitive uh, stuff. And this old deacon said, maybe he was saying plow corn. God speaks most usually very quietly to us. And I want to talk about that just a little bit later. But he speaks in a variety of ways. And there are times that that I I literally, in the privacy of my own prayers and conversation with God, cry out and say, God, please, please tell me what you want me to do. And I don't hear anything. I don't even hear him say my name. Does that mean that he's not trying to communicate? No, it simply means that I've not placed myself in a position so that I can receive what he's trying to say to me. Then the day comes that I'm simply reading the Bible and I go through a passage and suddenly there's the answer. It may be that I sit in a congregation as I got the privilege of doing this week and hear somebody else preach and suddenly the preacher says something. It wasn't the preacher talking to me. Listen, it was God talking to me. It may be that I sit in Bob at Sunday school class or Dillard's or somebody else, and suddenly something comes through loud and clear. My physical ears didn't hear it, but my inner ear heard it, my heart. And there was a message made clear that God used somebody else or some circumstance or some event to get through to me and make it clear what he wanted to say to me. What I'm saying is that we, like Samuel, have got to be responsive and allow ourselves to hear God when he speaks because he certainly does talk to us. The problem is that God's voice gets all mixed up with all other kinds of voices. And they're awfully difficult to sort out at times. Somebody says, do this and don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. And on and on it goes. And what happens is that we drown out God and hear all other voices. Why is it that we can hear the voice of the devil so easy and the voice of every other influence on the face of the earth, and God gets drowned out. I want to tell you why it is. Now I want you to go with me, if you will, over to First Kings. I want you to go to uh, just just go as as Brother Matthew says. Turn right. Two books. First Kings, chapter nineteen. We're going to find in chapter 19 the story of the prophet Elijah just after he had had the experience with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Now the thing that happened is that Elijah had been successful in beating down all these prophets of Baal and had a whole mess of them, several hundred of them, put to death. He had become victorious out of this experience when he put the altar up there and poured water on his altar and had the priests of Baal do the same thing except they didn't pour any water on the altar. And they said, let's see which god it will consume the altar in fire. And of course, the, the, the altar of Baal was not consumed and the altar of God was consumed even though it had been saturated with water. remember a woman named Jezebel who was queen and she sent word to Elijah and she said buddy you killed my prophets and I'm going to get you and do you know that man got scared and ran 40 miles he ran non-stop scared out of his wits at one wicked miserable creature of a woman when he had just succeeded in overcoming 450 prophets of Baal? Why would he run from one woman when he'd stand up to all of those priests, prophets of Baal? He ran. Over the ninth verse, the last phrase of the verse, God speaks to Elijah. Elijah. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah begins to moan and complain. And he tells all the things that have happened and how everybody has turned against the Lord. And he, in the last, right down near the last part of the verse, he says, and I alone am left. I'm the only righteous person that there is around. And you might as well take away my life because I'm no good. Jezebel's about ready to kill me. God spoke to him and he said, Elijah, I want you to go and verse 11 and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. Elijah went out and stood on the mountain. And I'll quickly go through this. And the Lord passed by, verse 11. There was a great strong wind that rent the mountain and broke it in pieces All the rocks before the Lord. But notice the phrase, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, what do you find? A still small voice. And it was so that Elijah heard the still, small voice. God asked him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And we go through all that rigmarole of discussion, and down in verse 18, God says, I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, you think you're the only one? I've got 7,000 people like you. But the point I want you to notice is that God was not heard until a very, very quiet voice spoke to Elijah. You see, the noise about us drowns out the voice of God and we don't hear him. What Elijah heard when there was a small voice spoken. It's in the quietness of our room, in the dead of the night, in times of prayer, when we are in worship together and maybe nothing is going on as far as singing or even preaching that God can get through. If you're going to hear God, it's going to be heard by an inner ear somewhere down about here called the heart. That's when you're going to hear God speak. Don't expect him to come loudly, boisterous over the amplifying system. That's what the world does. Don't expect him to be in that loud, boisterous stuff that we hear all day long every day. God calls in the quietnesses of our life. And it was Samuel who was asleep in the middle of the night. It was Isaiah that heard the voice of God speaking, and God said, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Elijah heard that, and he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. It was... I'm sorry, that was Isaiah. I think I said Elijah. Elijah. It was Isaiah who said, Whom shall I... That God said, To whom shall I send and who will go for us? And it was Isaiah who answered, Here, my Lord, send me. It was Elijah who heard the still small voice. It's times of crisis when we are wrestling and dealing with the real difficult times of life that we need to stand up and be counted like Elijah and face the prophets of Baal or whatever else is coming and don't run Because God is in it. And God will reveal to us that he has other people just like us who will stand firm with us and face whatever consequences may come. But he's going to tell us that through ears that don't hear audibly. I was listening to the radio. Uh, As I've told you many times, I listen to James Dobson every five days a week as I drive to work. I leave home purposely so that I can turn on my radio And I can hear that half-hour program as I drive to Logan. That's my purpose in leaving at that time. One of the people that he had on his program was a deaf lady who could not hear a word, and she was speaking. And she told me something that that had never sunk into me before, and that is you don't have to have ears to hear God. Do you know that? You don't have to. It's when we turn on in the quietnesses of our life, our inner ears, that we're going to hear God speak. And secondly, let me hurry on. We need to understand what God's saying. Oh, we understand that God calls ministers and missionaries and maybe even Sunday school teachers and maybe he even calls deacons. Uh, It certainly ought to be a call. But we sometimes forget that he calls housewives and secretaries and school teachers and other people of that nature, yes, and even coal miners, he calls people to be in his service regardless of how they might make a living. Paul was called not to be a tent maker, but to take advantage of his abilities to make tents in order that he might preach the gospel to those around him. God takes what we are and who we are and he speaks to us so that he can use us for his his glory. He takes our talents and puts them to work. He gives some of us special gifts that we might use them for his glory. I'll never forget a young lady in her late teens in one of my first pastorates that had one of the most beautiful voices I'll ever know. But she decided that she ought to sing in nightclubs because she could make money doing that. She would therefore not come to church and sing in church like she ought to. Do you know the day came in a very few years that I knew her that she couldn't carry a note? She had lost all of her abilities to sing. And I said to her and I believe it to this day that God took away from her the ability to sing because she refused to use her talent for the glory of God. And I think he'll do the same with you and with me if we don't allow him to speak to us and put our talents to work, whatever they might be. God is not in the business of putting round pegs in square holes or square pegs in round holes, whichever way you want to say it. And sometimes we have people who are misfits in what they're doing. I believe there are misfits in the pulpit. And I think you've seen some of them, and I've seen lots of them in my ministry, people who who have no business being there they are a square pagan, around a round hole. God never intended them to be there. A man put them there. Not God. He is going to speak to us and use us for his glory whenever we will listen. But what is he saying to us? That we have to decide for ourselves. But in the process, he gives us plenty of help. One of the things that he gives us to support us as he speaks to us is the church. Now Listen. Anybody is highly suspect in their Christian life who claims that God has instructed them to serve and they do not support the church to which they belong. You can find that happening. I ask people, where do you go to church? Oh, I go here and I go there. I, go, I just don't go to any particular one. I go to them all. After all, they're all fine. Sure, they're all fine. And I wouldn't uh, argue with that one bit. But listen, God puts a person in a specific place to be a specific job. He's not going to use a shotgun pattern and say, just go all over everywhere. Just visit here and visit there and visit somewhere else. Sometimes you've got to settle down. Sometimes you've got to find your niche. And we're not going to find our niche until we allow the voice of God to get through. He's going to counsel us through our pastors. That's one of the jobs that I have. This is what Eli did when he perceived that God was calling Samuel. He counseled him. He's going to do it through teachers that we have in our classes. He's going to do it through friends. I think one of the greatest ways that God gets through to us is through somebody who is our friend. But above all, he's going to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. He said, before he left this world, I will not leave you comfortless. That is, I will not leave you without support. But the Holy Ghost, when he has come, he will teach you all things. How many of us have actually listened to the Holy Ghost? And let me say lastly, that once we have heard and understood what God's saying to us, we need to obey it obedience is the evidence of our faith now let me tell you God makes demands he's not going to pussyfoot around with us and just say well it's it, it's alright all you really have to do is uh, go to church once in a while sit in the congregation don't tell me that that's all God wants out of anybody I never found that in the scripture all he wants you to do is just, just once in a while you know show up God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Your life and mine. And he in the quietness of some moment if you will tune out the the loudness of the world is going to call your name and say to you like he did to Samuel I want you to listen. I have a job for you to do. Samuel was going to take over for Eli. And we'll not get into the problems that Eli had in allowing his sons to be disrespectful to the church. (coughs) Eli allowed his boys to run wild, and God took him out of the ministry because of it. Samuel was being groomed to take over. But Eli was smart enough to say, Listen, I think God's talking to you. And I want to be smart enough to respond the same way. Listen, I think God's talking to many of you. And I think you're trying to tune him out. I think you're trying to drown him out. I think you already know what he's saying to you. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to do it. I've gone through that myself and I understand that. You don't want to hear. If God calls you and gives you a message, there's one other thing that we must understand, and that that is that God gives us the power to fulfill what he has charged us with. You don't go it alone. God goes with you. Matter of fact, I think we ought to say it the other way we go with God. To do that which he has assigned to us to do. What can you do? What is your work? Some of you are assigned the responsibility of being an encouragement to other people. Let me tell you, you've encouraged me beyond belief. Last night and today particularly. That may be your assignment to go to somebody and encourage them. You may have the responsibility of dealing with somebody who needs healing and you can put your arms around them physically or just spiritually and lead them into a new relationship to the Lord. You can help them in their healing process. It may be that your job is to build this church. Not the building, the church. To lift it up, to support it, to pray for it. And it may very well be that your job is to lead other people to Jesus Christ. And you can do that in many ways. And I think every one of us need to go home and say, Lord, like Isaiah, what would you have me to do? What is your message and be persistent until God says, this is the message. This is what I want out of you. Then go do what God tells you. That's what Paul said on the road to Damascus when he was struck blind. Before he got to his feet, he had a question of the Lord and that was, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, you go on into town. It'll be told you what to do. And the Lord sent a priest who was a Christian to Paul. And that priest laid his hands on Paul. His eyesight was restored. And Paul began his ministry because he heard the Lord speak and responded to his speech. Spoken word. Don't tune out God. Take some quiet time somewhere and pray to God that he would tell you what he wants. And don't give up until he's responded.
0: And then do what he says. Let us pray. sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.